May you know God's blessing, the very presence of Christ, as you tune in to this podcast coming to you from Cirrus, Kimback and Springfield Church. And may there be indeed a special blessing for you if you are on your own at this time or if life is a bit of a battle for you at this time. May you know the blessing and the strength of Christ. We still our hearts at the beginning of our time together. In the first hymn we listen to, Be still for the presence of the Lord, the Holy One, is here. If you're following words in the hymn book, it's 189, and it's sung by Sounds of Worship. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Let us pray. God of light, God of love, light a flame of love in our hearts to you, a flame of love to our families and friends, a flame of love to our neighbours, a flame of love 
to all those we meet on the road. Son of Mary, light a flame of love in our hearts to all, from the lowliest thing that lives to the name that is highest of all. God of life, grant us your forgiveness. We know we've been heedless in our thoughts and sometimes cruel or careless in our words and shameful in our actions. Too often we are indifferent to a world made sad by want and wastefulness. We forget our neighbours on the other side of the world. We wander away from the ways that lead to peace in paths of our own pleasing. God of life, grant us your forgiveness. And in the stillness, in the quietness, may we hear the word that liberates us, that says to us, now be at peace. Know yourself forgiven, know yourself released to love and to serve. God of the new day, God of love, you created us and you've redeemed us. As you scatter the mist from the hills, banish the deeds of darkness from the sons and daughters of light. Help us to know and to believe that as children of your grace, we are free to begin all over again through Jesus Christ our Lord. Living God, holy God, three in one, shield us and save us. Possess us and aid us. Clear the path before us. Go before us. Each step of the stormy world. And together, the prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We open the scriptures now and may the word of God be the blessing that you need at this time. Both readings are from the Gospel of St. Mark. First of all, chapter 9, 30 to 37. Both readings in the context of Jesus moving closer towards Jerusalem and to the cross. Jesus and his disciples left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and they were afraid to ask him about it. When they came to Capernaum, when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because in the way they had argued about who was the greatest of them. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of those little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, 
but the one who sent me. And then Mark chapter 10, 13 to 16, a very familiar little story. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked him. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to all such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. Amen. And may this word be a blessing to you today. And we pause now as we take time to reflect on the scriptures and on our own stories. Some places really lodge in your mind, don't they? In my mind, I could describe very clearly, in great detail, my grandparents' home in Falkirk. The layout of the kitchen, including the walk-in press, which before my grandparents' time had been the maid's bedroom. I could still picture the steep stair and the lumber room which you access through a little door on the top landing. I can still remember the big picture of the changing of the guard that hung at the top of the stairs. I could give you a similarly detailed description of my other grandparents' home in the village of Bonnybridge, the big Rayburn cooker in the kitchen, the back bedroom that looked out over the fields to the Catholic chapel that was lit up at night, the front room with its exciting press, full of old tins of postcards and the like. Those old tins contain the story of my dad's family, their time in Canada, the exchange of letters and cards with those who remained there, the loss of one of their sons in Normandy in the war. I could also give you a very accurate description of the little tin church in Kinlochew where I was student minister for three summers. The arrangements of the pews, the location of the pulpit and the kitchen through the back. I once made the mistake of cooking kippers on a Friday in the kitchen and I had to burn midge repellent coils to try and get rid of the smell before Sunday worship. Perhaps more than anywhere else that little green hut taught me what church and worship should really be about. On my first Sunday in Kinloch U, there were four people, and a dog, I think. The worship pattern was pretty much established in the other service over in Torridon as Free Kirk style. But in Kinloch U, I had free reign to develop the worship. I did a lot of visiting, including the school, and I established the service as all age, although that happened naturally. It was never labelled as an all-age service or as a family service. It was just Sunday worship. Everybody together. Every Saturday night, I wandered around the caravan site handing out invitations to worship. Sunday congregations could be anything between 10 and 30 or so. Service was very much in the style of what I had experienced as summer mission years previously. Children were 
naturally very much to the fore in that service, not in any forced way, and very much as contributors. We had no organist, but three young schoolgirls, three sisters, led us with their recorders and sometimes with a keyboard as well. Children love to feel that they're contributing to worship rather than just being used to kind of entertain the adults, as it were. I remember a shy wee girl of about six or seven whose role was to hand out the biscuits at coffee time every Sunday. And she took this job, she took this ministry very seriously and carried it out with real enthusiasm, seriousness and a lovely smile. One Sunday, an elderly visitor, a Methodist preacher, if I remember rightly, commented on the children who'd led us in our praise that morning. Quoting Isaiah, he said quietly, Yes, a little child shall lead them. When we eventually reach the end of lockdown, we will surely step out into a world that has changed. People already talk about the new normal, don't they? Well... What is the new normal going to look like for the church? What will church look like post-lockdown? As I reflect on that, I find myself back in that little green tin hut where I learned such vital lessons. These two Bible readings help us get our bearings, I think. In the one where Jesus rebukes the disciples for chasing away the mothers and the children, it reminds us that children are central to the church and not peripheral. We need the children. They remind us by their very presence what the kingdom of God is all about. So let's not give in to the cliche that they are important because they are the church of tomorrow. They are important because they are central to the church of today and remind us who we are and what we're to be all about you remember that it was the poet Wordsworth who said memorably that the child is father of the man. It's the children who are our teachers. Jesus said that, did he not? In the other reading on the occasion when the disciples were on the way to the horrors of the cross with Jesus walking under that shadow, Jesus telling them again and again what lay ahead for him, what are they doing? They are arguing about which one of them is the greatest. That must have upset Jesus a lot. But he brought a little child to them to be their teacher. We need the children. We need them to teach us. I love watching old episodes of The Last of the Summer Wine. It's getting a bit close for comfort. Maybe I'll end up with such a bunch of elderly pals growing old together and getting up to all sorts of mischief in my retirement years. I can only hope. One of the most poignant episodes was the one dealing with Compo's death. You'll remember Compo was the particular scruffy one with ferrets in his pockets and raggy trousers. Always getting up to mischief. And they're talking about Compo. One of them suggests that he's looking down upon them that he's with them. And somebody asks, but did you really think Compo was heaven material? And Cleggy, one of the characters, quietly responds, oh yes, and quoting the scriptures, oh yes, Compo was, unless you become as a little child, 
You see, Compo never lost that. Children and the childlike spirit are at the very heart of the kingdom of God. But traditionally, in the Church of Scotland, children have often been on the edge rather than the centre. Sometimes I do wonder, when we talk about ourselves as being traditionalists and so on, we need to remember that what we call tradition in the Church of Scotland is basically a Victorian package. And much of it actually flies in the face of our real heritage in the Reformed tradition, in the Celtic Church, and above all, in the Scriptures. It seems to me that lurking in the darker corners of this inherited tradition, there is still something of the adage that children should be seen and not heard. In post-Victorian houses, the children were put on display for mummy and daddy at certain times, but kept very much behind the scene for most of the time. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems to me that something of that model slithered into the church, and some ways I wonder if it's still with us a little bit. Last week I made the point that the centre of the Gospel of Jesus Christ is a message of homecoming, of being at home with God, that Christ brings us back into that rootedness, into that sense of being at home with God and with our true selves. We said that the church was to embody that sense of all ages being welcomed, brought home with God and we reflected on the wonderful parable of the prodigal son. Church is to embody that homecoming grace, that homecoming welcome of God in Jesus Christ. Well, as I think back to the wee green tin huts in Kinlaghew, I think of that wee lass going around the congregation with her plate of biscuits at the end of the service and her smile. In a very simple way, we were making a homely space for all ages, visitors and locals to meet together in fellowship and conversation. That said, I quickly realised as a student minister that the at-home atmosphere of the coffee time was something that needed to pervade the whole service. Kenny Ban, the gregarious minister over the hills over the Bialach Nabah, at Applecross taught me that lesson. I turned up at his evening service one Sunday and I was really struck by the way in which he began worship. His eyes roved round the congregation and he began, Welcome to evening worship. Ah, I see Willie and Jeannie are back from holiday. Good to have you home. And our friends from Yorkshire are back for their holiday again this year. It's good to have you back among us. We hope you've had a good year and you're keeping well. And there's our friend Jim from Kinlochew. Good to see you, Jim. <laughs> Even if you are a Campbell among so many McDonald's. He was, in a very simple way, making people feel at home. He was making sure there was no sense of starchiness or forceness about the worship that would follow. How important it is that all ages should feel equally at home in Christkirk. And how important that children should not be in the periphery. We need them because they show us what the kingdom of God is all about. Well, as the lockdown begins to ease a little, 
we have to ask what will the new normal look like for the church. I think we need to look with very critical eyes and through New Testament lenses at what we've been doing and how we've been doing it. I could do no better than sum all this up and finish with these words. The words of the hymn, Let Us Build a House. Let us build a house where love can dwell and all can safely live. A place where saints and children tell how hearts learn to forgive. Built of hopes and dreams and visions, rock of faith and vault of grace. Here the love of Christ shall end divisions. All are welcome, all are welcome, all are welcome in this place. May that be so, and especially so, in our parish of Sirius, Kembach and Springfield. Amen. As we reflect on some of these thoughts now, a piece of instrumental music, it's called Seascape, and it's from the Celtic group Eden's Bridge.
Now we have our prayers for others. Let us pray. Let's pray for the church, for the world, and for one another. For the church we pray, the bright lamp of faith. For ministers and people, Sunday school leaders, youth leaders, all who work for the church of Christ, and especially for the church in this parish. May the King of Angels protect her, keep her, and save her. For the world we pray, the creation of God, its land and sea, its peace, its prosperity. May the Son of Mary move through all the earth, healing, renewing, blessing, releasing. For those who are ill, we pray, and especially in the quiet we name those who are about whom we are concerned at this time. We remember those who suffer, those who've been bereaved in recent days. May they know the presence of the Good Shepherd. May they know the presence of the Shepherd who leads them through the dark valley into light. For those who work, we pray, and especially for those who are worried about the future of their work at the end of this lockdown period. We pray for all who work, for all who weave the patterns of this world's life. We remember that whole area of work and all the concerns surrounding it at this uncertain time. We remember all who work. May the King of Grace give grace to their labour growth and kindly substance. For those we love and for ourselves we pray, may the guarding of God be theirs and ours until together we come to the High King's house where we shall all be brought together when our travelling days are done. And so, we offer afresh ourselves to you, our lives, our parish. May they be blessed by the King of Light and may they reflect the King of Light in all that we do. In the name of Christ. Amen. And our final hymn is How Great Thou Art. You'll find it's 154 if you're following the words in your hymn book. And it's sung by the choir of York Minster.
And now, wherever you are, and especially if you are on your own, and especially if life is a bit of a struggle for you just now, especially for you, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.